0: You are now listening to Femme Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Mmm, Femme. Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then, it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms, like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads
1: and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
0: Hey fam fam, Um, guess what guys? We've got a very exciting guest today. Um, Arguably, today's guest is our biggest guest, our most well-known guest. Um, And his name is Cameron Monaghan. If you don't know off the top of your head who that is, he was Ian on Shameless for... Eleven years, I believe the show ran, so that's a big deal. But he's also done a lot of other things, and he's just an amazing actor. He's been acting for a really long time, and in this episode, we not only get to talk about that, we go on a whole tangent, which you'll see. <laughs> uh, but he was a real delight. To as talk we do, to you. as we yes, do. exactly. Um, but he was a real delight to talk to you about the acting process and mm-hmm. you know how he really handles tough material and. He is here today promoting the film Paradise Highway, which I mentioned this several times in the episode. I'm just going to mention it again right now. If you have not listened to last week's episode with Ana Guto, she is the writer-director of the film. Please go listen to that as well. We get into some really cool stuff with her. Um, But the film just was released last week, Paradise Highway, in select theaters and on-demand streamers. Check it out. It's a really important film And our chat today was, like I said, just lovely to really get into the process. We love talking to actors.
1: (laughs) Woo woo! So, guys, tune in.
0: For coming on to chat with us today. Um, we're super excited to talk to you about a lot of things. Um, we personally love having actors on the show too, because while this is more so a show about like filmmaking, we are actors, like we are actors first. That's how we started. That's our passion. So we love talking to other actors.
2: (laughs) Oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, I think there's an old cliche that actors love talking about acting and and talking to other actors, (laughs) but I think it's true. I mean, um, I don't know. It's, uh, I do really like other actors. Most of my friends are actors and uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, I always enjoy talking about the process and what we do.
1: Amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Every time we get an actor on our podcast, and hopefully you'll feel the same today, they're just like, man, like we got asked all these questions, like questions that I feel like you don't normally get in an interview process because we can relate to just all the different ways we go with how we get ready for a role or how we collaborate with a director. There's like all these things that I think even if our listeners are not an actor themselves, they can... Get some takeaways on how to work with different different humans, mm-hmm. essentially yeah. different mm-hmm. types of humans, and and how they work. So yeah, we're we're excited to kind of nerd out with you today on that that end for sure. Yeah. that's wonderful.
2: Yeah. And
0: so we'll definitely get into Paradise Highway, um, but I want to start kind of from the beginning. <laughs> um, yeah. I hate to say, you know, just tell me your story. But you started mm-hmm. acting really young, so I'd love to hear kind of what it was like to be so young in the business. And I mean, even you know. You had a lot of stuff before Shameless, too, but that being so big while you were so young as well, I'd love to just hear about that.
2: Yeah, you know, um, so I recently realized that I've been on screen for uh, over 20 years at this point. Uh, I shot my first movie when I was eight years old. Um, And I've been able to kind of grow up with onset experience, which is uh, an honor that I don't think a lot of people uh, get the opportunity to have. I know a lot of people don't. Um, So I first. uh, I got shameless when I was about 15, soon to turn 16 uh obviously i worked on that show for 11 years um so i was i was like 27 when we finished um and that was a pretty amazing Holy shit. Thing. yeah to go from 15 <laughs> to 27 yeah. yeah um our our kids on the show um i call them the kids they're not kids anymore but they'll always be the <laughs> right. kids to me yeah. uh they were yeah. they were 8 when we shot the pilot and they're both over 21 now so it's um Crazy. yeah it's wild
0: yeah And, like, specifically with Shameless, um, because, I mean, I watched the show while it was running. I was a big fan. Mm -hmm. And, like, to see your character, Ian, go through not just everyday teenage growing up stuff. You know, he really had some heavy stuff to deal with. And, like, how was that for you? You know, by that point, you were already a professional actor. But, like, to deal with that still as a young human being, you know, that, like, really dark stuff and... Not only to play it as an actor, but to kind of, you know, wrap your mind around it and not get caught up in it and not let it affect, you know, your real life. Because we see that happen with actors Mm. of any age when they have to deal with some really like heavy content.
2: Yeah, I well, I think that I'm very lucky in that the roles that I got when I was younger, um, even prior to Shameless, but especially with, you know, Shameless, and I was working a, on a show called Gotham at the same time as well, those stories weren't um, just about, like, being a teenager. Um, they weren't mm-hmm. high school shows. They weren't really about high school. They were about being a human being um you know there were explorations of characters and of situations that were um heavier and more complex than uh just you know the the goings-ons of high school drama which is not to say that you can't tell interesting stories about that stuff I mean some of my favorite movies are like whatever 10 things I hate about you or something like that (laughs) but you know I'm very lucky in the sense that um I wasn't on like a CW show or something like that. Again, no offense to that stuff, but um, you know, I think that on a day-to-day basis, a lot of times that can be very unfulfilling as a performer. Mm -hmm. And I always felt myself being challenged and fulfilled as a performer, working with this um, pretty wild subject matter and um, strange and and challenging stuff. Um, You know, I, I'm very lucky that my own personal interests with uh, performing, with acting, um, were something in me from a really young age. Mm -hmm. And um, I never really lost that interest. At the end of the day, I find it a joy to be on set. Uh, I find it a joy to be able to to uh, de- devote my time to understanding character understanding story of, of playing this stuff um you know I, I I think that it's it's what I know and what I uh, feel comfortable in and mm. I'm very lucky that I've gotten to do it so consistently for so long um mm. so you know I know that for some young performers um you know you can call them child actors or child stars or whatever um they can feel uh disenchanted uh, by the work they can feel like they were forced into something or they lost themselves somewhere along the way mm-hmm. and i think that i was in the context of stuff that i've i've always enjoyed um and i also have such a interest in, in, it, in my own terms that i don't know um i never felt that way yeah. i've never had that moment um so yeah all, all i can say is that i'm very thankful for that
0: Yeah. Yeah. That does sound like such an amazing opportunity. Like you said, a lot of times, um, especially younger actors don't really get that opportunity to get that like really gritty kind of material. So young. Mm. So yeah, being exposed to that younger is like, it's such a cool experience, I'm sure. And yeah, it sounds like it really did prepare you then for those sorts of roles moving forward.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, it was interesting with, with a show like shameless, um, so much of the content is, um, I mean, there's no way around it. It's yeah. explicit. Um, it is. Uh, it was an exploration of like uh, sexuality and uh, humanity, and and uh, you know, um, finding self and self expression. And I think that that was kind of an interesting thing of being, you know, 16, 17 years old and you right. know, kind of everyone is exploring that for themselves around that age. Yeah. And having this kind of safe context to be able to work out these issues um, in kind of a grand way was honestly pretty amazing. Um, you know, challenging, mm-hmm. certainly. Um, I think that it's very challenging for any young person to be, in the public eye, um, yeah. you know, we're all yeah. we're all figuring out who we are and what we want. And you know, when you're commit, when things are put out there in the world on on that scale, you, it feels like everything is this statement of like, "This is what I am" all the time. I was
1: just gonna say, like, "This is your identity now." Yeah, and it's and like, it, it's
2: like I, no one knows what their identity oh, is, and that's shifting and changing, and it should be. Um, I, you know, I, I feel even I, I, I'm, you know, I'm 20, 28, soon to be 29, and I still feel like that identity is constantly being found and it's shifting and it's changing. So, God, when when you're 16, that's an entirely <laughs> different thing. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's a, it's something I always wonder about. Um, I got going to sound like a dinosaur or something. It's sound <laughs> like an old man, but like with like social media, you're kind of like you're branding yourself in Mm -hmm. such a major way with like, I, I am, I'm this personality. I'm this person. You're sending down. This is what I do. This (laughs) is what I do. This is what I am. Mm -hmm. This is what I stand for. This is what I, and it's great to be able to express it in that way. But I sometimes wonder about the pressure of that, you know, a lot of times uh, people, people are on, you know, whatever, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, they're 11, 12 years old. And, uh, you know, a lot of them find tremendous amounts of respect, uh, of um, success, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. Um, But uh, it's a bit concerning as well. (laughs) And I hope that people are checking on the the mental well-being of these kids. That's all I can say
1: does he not know our next feature film or does he not know
2: the message (laughs) we're (laughs) working on a feature right now that is really
0: kind of centered around like how technology in general affects mental health and the advancements of that and you know how it's like
1: are we like because technology is great and like you said there's some great advantages but i think we need to question the safety measures that we have to protect our our own brains or like i I'm so scared to have kids one day <laughs> if that yeah. crosses it. Just because, like, what do you do? Do you not? Do you take them out of the world? You can't because this is how everyone operates right now. Is through social media and like all of that. But also, like, I don't know. At what age is it okay? And it's just like, yeah, I <laughs> well, I'm not even ready to have kids. But I'm like <laughs> thinking about. It's forcing like delving into these topics with Tessa for a feature. It's like forcing me to like really see all this stuff very clearly yeah
2: well that that sounds that sounds interesting um yeah i can't wait to see um you know i think that there's something we haven't really fully acknowledged that what social media is is it's designed to be addictive uh Mm -hmm. it is a essentially an addictive substance for you know it, it hot wires our brains to uh to release (laughs) um, a hormonal response of, uh, satisfaction of, uh, you know, of conflict of, of, of joy of all these things, whenever we interface with it, it's essentially, we're giving ourselves a little neurological hit every time that we utilize it. And, um, you know, I don't think that we've acknowledged yet that we are, uh, as a society addicted, we are addicts. Um, I know I can speak personally that like, I've definitely had to uh, kind of reevaluate how I use it, because Mm -hmm. I found myself just constantly opening up these apps and scrolling to the top. And, you know, I would just keep refreshing. And there was nothing new that was happening. Like the order of it would just be changing, (laughs) but I would keep refreshing it. And I realized how addictive that was. And I realized it was a problem. When every time I would look down at my hands and the app was opened and I didn't ever realize, like, I don't remember opening it. It's just yeah. there.
1: All of a sudden you're like staring at it yeah. and you're like, how did I get here? And it's because they yeah, to sign pop-up notifications to trigger you. Of course. And like, like, Little things, and I just want to pull up this quote on the lines of what you're saying because mm. it's so good, and it says by Edward Tuft from the Social Dilemma movie on mm. Netflix. Stocks, mm-hmm. so oh, good. Yeah, great. There are only two industries that calls their customers users: illegal drugs and software. <laughs> so yeah. it's just, it's just there. It's like it's just really interesting. Like we've noticed when you dived into it that like yeah it's it's super it's made to addict grab you away and now with our features like main premise um surrounding it around what am i gonna toxic relationships Mm -hmm. and how like easy it is to access someone these days and really get you know you cyber stalking all that it's just so available we're we're so easily available to tap into each other's brains it's frightening yeah so
2: it is I mean it's yeah it's a difficult thing because it's like I think that all of us can acknowledge how there is such a um I mean it's a wonderful thing that we have connectivity across you know the, the, the world that people have access to information in a way never seen before that we have the you know the availability of of, of opportunity, of of knowledge yes, of, of these yes, things. Yes, yes. I think we all can acknowledge that that's a great thing. Um, but it's, it's about trying to interface with it responsibly, if you can. I, we don't even know what that looks like. And exactly. I, I do wonder, like, you know, I think that we are just going to have some mass psychological <laughs> uh some psychosis of that we have not necessarily identified yet that you know uh two or three generations from now we're not gonna hoping that we exist in two or three generations yeah, right um you know they're they're going to look at us and be like boy they really did not look after themselves like at all like right, my yeah. god what was going on with those people um, so you know, hopefully we can uh, course correct and try to figure out what it is doing to us. And um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, th- <laughs> this is a question that is much bigger than me. So hopefully you guys can explore it in ways that are uh, more eloquent than what I have.
0: Yeah, I no, mean, it's interesting sure. too to be in this world as an actor because you know like you were saying about like kind of you know branding yourself on social media is uh-huh. kind of the way to curate I guess the biggest audience and you know get yourself up in the algorithm and everything but then specifically as an actor like you're really taught like that's what you have to do like your yeah. page has to be not just actor stuff it can be a real life stuff but it's all got to fit in this same you know box that you need to fit yourself into and then once you get successful in that box you can branch out and I said no want. thank and, you
1: you know it's <laughs> but so... that's like what we're taught as actors yeah. like, a lot of advice (laughs) to young actors is to do that. And I'm like, I can't. This isn't real. I know. (laughs) I I mean, that's,
2: that's this, it's a weird thing because like you're told it's important a lot. Mm -hmm. You're in, I'm sure, I mean, look, it's, it's amazing that you have like a, platform that like uh you know if you have like a successful social media following whatever you can have you can tell millions of people about whatever project whatever thing it is that you're doing and I think that that is a really special opportunity but I do if sometimes I do wonder if sometimes if that is that importance is overstated Mm -hmm. um you know a lot right. of the people that I respect are not on social media, and yeah. I don't know. I have like uh, the the more that I do this job, the more that I find myself kind of stepping away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, as a, as an actor, I don't know. Like the, the a lot of the actors that I respect, be it whatever, Kate Blanchett, or um, I, I don't know, Gary Oldman, Robert De Niro, someone yeah. like that. I don't really want to know what their couch looks like. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to like, I don't want to see their dinner really. Like, yeah. I don't want to know. Um, I don't want like updates from moment to moment. I think that mm-hmm. there is a little bit of a mystique that I personally find intriguing in performers. And while everyone is very obsessed with relatability um you know when it's curated or designed for people is that at all relatable you know i don't know right. I, I would rather i don't know i don't know i i, I, I sometimes <laughs> i see the, sometimes i see these hashtag relatable posts of people who have been very successful for very long periods of time and they're in their yeah. very fancy kitchens or living rooms <laughs> and they're talking about their personal chef and they're talking about, uh uh-huh, like, can you believe that, you know, so-and-so did this in such a way where I'm, I'm just kind of like no one relates to you.
0: Yeah. No one relates
2: to this. Yeah. Like, it's cool that, you know, like, sure. you, whatever, you're you you ha- you're able to live your life the way that you are and g- good for you. Maybe don't fly so many private jets and killer environment, but whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm getting a little heated on this one. But, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, at the end of the day, it, it's going to come down to the individual and if you yeah. have like a cause um, that you believe in, um, that I think that's cool to be able to spread that awareness. I, I think it's cool if you want to put out your genuine self, but to feel like there's there has to be this pressure of mm-hmm. this designed personality, and that is in some way going to get you hired or make you right. a, a actor that people like. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think good work at the end of the day speaks for itself more than anything. And, you know, hopefully people focus on doing good work more than yeah. trying to craft a narrative.
0: Yeah.
2: agree. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>
1: Thank you for stepping on the femregard soapbox. You get people there. I, just I, I, I stepped up is. early. I got on my soapbox <laughs> and I,
2: you know, I, 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 I sounded the alarms. <laughs>
0: Hey, Femfam! have you heard us raving about Jambox yet? Because let me tell you, it's such an amazing tool for filmmakers, podcasters, advertisers, and anyone who needs music for their projects.
1: Jambox.io is so versatile. They've got songs and sound effects organized by artists,
0: genre, mood, and tags. And they're actually affordable. For as little as $9.99 a month for independent creators, $6 a month for students, or $19.99 a song, you can choose whether a subscription-based membership or a la carte pricing works better for you. And they're flexible. For individual creators, to commercial, to advertising, to theatrical release, they've got you covered. Plus,
1: they're constantly growing and evolving. With new songs and playlists all the time and customer service on point, they really do have everything you need.
0: We've been working with them for a while now and couldn't be happier. That's why we have a special coupon code for our listeners.
1: For 10% off your purchase, make sure you enter code fem 10 at checkout. That's FEMM10 at jambox.io, where they connect creators with ridiculously good music and sound effects. No, I think that because we talk about it regularly cuz we feel the pressures as creatives as well like with you know I'm glad we have this show this really helps us keep in touch with our community and and find more amazing people that we are literally bringing on a team from this show, from the people we've connected with to work on our feature. So that's all great. Mm. But at what point does it distract me from making sure my script is like perfected and like, yeah. you know, like the real work. And I, I always go back and forth. And so, you know what, if I feel like I'm getting too distracted, I, I have to like literally tell myself, like, stop. Like, it's it's going to be okay. <laughs> Don't give to the pressures. It'll be fine. Go work on your script. Or like, you know what? Let's let's get back to that that one post. Let's log it yeah. in the the you know the calendar, whatever <laughs> the social calendar, totally. and we'll get back because yeah, I I constantly feel that pressure. So it's nice for you to share like your insight on that mm-hmm. as someone who's successful for people that are listening to and and look up to like ah oh, they feel that pressure. I mean, at the end I of the day, mean,
2: <laughs> when I'm working, like I've realized that I just need to like completely like. I put the phone in another room. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I alerts everything turned off. If, if I'm like writing or something like that, that has to be in a different place or else I'm not going to be able to focus. And like, I don't know about you, but like, I find that when I'm writing, you know, obviously there are things that you have to like research or Google or quickly look up. And so, so much of the time, like I'll go on the internet just to look at that. And then like you know, I realized that I've been reading Wikipedia articles about like cat breeds or something for four hours. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God, I do the
1: same thing. (laughs) Phantom Limbs. Phantom Limbs was my last one. I was Uh, like, I started getting YouTube stuff and I was like, holy shit. Inventors inventors
2: killed by their own creations. That's my favorite.
1: (laughs) I love that. I love that.
2: Phantom Limbs is good, though, too.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I
0: want to pivot a little bit to talk about Paradise Highway. Okay. Um, so yeah. listeners, if you haven't listened to last week's episode with Anna, the writer director of the movie, make sure you check that out as well. Cause we really dive into the content of the movie and, and you know, where the story came from and everything, but I want to talk to you, Cameron, about your experience with it. Um, so you play this FBI agent. Um, I want to talk about, first of all, what it was like to work with Morgan Freeman uh, so closely. And then also I think it's really interesting that Anna said she had brought on, like an actual FBI agent to really kind of consult with and figure out the language mm. and like what would really happen and stuff. And I'm just curious if you got to really be a part of that or it was more for like her writing process, but how that all kind of worked together.
2: Yeah. So uh, I play special agent, Pinley Sterling who is a young FBI agent who recently graduated from Yale. He's been working a desk job at the FBI for a couple of years and he requests to have field experience, so he gets assigned um, human trafficking and, and sexual slavery. Um, and so he, his first case is a, a murder case related to um, sex trafficking. Um, and he gets assigned a uh, experienced uh, former agent played by uh, Morgan Freeman, um, who has been doing this job in, in this in the story for over fifty years at this point. Wow. So I'm this kind of green young. Uh, ambitious agent coming in. Mm-hmm. And I'm very by the book. Um, and he is a agent with seniority who has kind of given up on these systems a long time ago, and is sort of just doing things on his own terms now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has the seniority to kind of be able to get away with it and pull it off. So uh, our mm-hmm. characters are very at odds with each other. Um, you know, my guy, because he is not um, he's a little bit out of his depth and he's not fully experienced. Um, I didn't want him to feel like he knew everything because he shouldn't, mm-hmm. but that being said, I did do a fair amount of research on my own terms just to understand what this world was that he was coming from. Um, you know, uh, Finley is an experienced, but he's not unintelligent. He's very smart, and he does care. He just doesn't know how to necessarily go about it in the correct way, and that's something that he's kind of learning through uh, through the job. Um, and so uh, Anna did do a, a quite amount of research while writing this story. And um, she had a, a fair amount of resources for me to look at, um, be it um, from a lot of these organizations. Um, um, you know, not for sale, Thorn. Um, there's so many um, uh, uh, resources for the stuff. Um, specifically, what was staggering upon first getting in, involved with this project was just the just the statistics. Yeah. Just the numbers. Yeah. Um, I can you know, imagine. Uh, it's the situation is so much more dire than what um, I understood. And I think most people do specifically in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that there's an arrogance that we think that we're in somehow some way exempt from these issues. And to be honest, we're probably worse than um, many yeah. places, most places. Um, and so, learning about that was um, was a huge eye opener. Um, Anna had uh, had yes, this this um, FBI former FBI agent um, who uh, gave her a fair amount of advice, um, and I heard a little bit of that. And then I also did some independent research as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a former uh, FBI agent by the name of Jerry Williams who she has a um, podcast um, and she interviewed a, a couple people who were specializing in the same field as what Sterling did. And so um, those podcasts were a few hours long each and it was really interesting hearing what um, th- what they had to say about it. Um, something that jumped out immediately was um, for as much as these are systems with rule books and procedures and, you know, laws and everything. um, I really admired that at least the people that she had on the podcast um, really regarded all the victims as individuals, as Mm -hmm. people, as kids with their own experience, with their, with, you know, their own things that they're being deprived of and seeing them as their own individual stories, I think was um, a really, um, Beautiful thing and um, difficult as well. Uh, there's, yeah. n- you know, I've, look, this subject matter is, um, it is bleak by nature. And I think that a lot of times when we hear words like human trafficking, our brains can kind of shut off.
1: I was just like, going to say, know? totally.
2: Um, and what I think is really special about Honest. Uh, script and, and how the feature turned out um is that it's a human story mm-hmm. it's about individuals and for as dark as the subject matter is um there's beauty to it and um there's something that is alive and human and I think that if you can personalize these stories um you can build an awareness and a, a relatability to a subject matter that otherwise might be uh, unpalatable or too difficult to um, be able to process.
0: Yeah. 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 That's a really good point. Yeah. I'm just like
1: soaking all of that in and how that could, it's, it's, I think that helps people relate to it naturally too, without just completely shutting it off when you see, like, know you're going into a story like this. And how did you feel like, your character helped aid that, I guess, in a way, was there something that your character also brought that kept, could keep the audience member from feeling so like, this is going to a really dark place, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, I guess I, I uh, for, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie um, and they should, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I, I guess I should just quickly say what the plot is. So um, yeah. Um, Julia Pinoche is a truck driver who is um, running contraband as favors for her brother uh, who is in prison and basically to offer her brother, uh, played by Frank Grillo, protection in prison, she's uh, moving illegal goods. And she uh, has hired on to do a job where she's supposed to move a package and she finds out this package is a 12 year old girl played by Holla Finley, who is being traded for um, sexual slavery. And um, this goes wrong pretty quickly, and um, someone ends up dead. And uh, my character, uh, this young FBI agent, comes to this murder scene and is pursuing um, whoever was the killer Mm -hmm, um, with uh, Morgan Freeman on the road. Um, so the movie is kind of a, uh, it is in two separate parts. We have this truck driver and this young girl together. And then we have these two FBI agents together who are pursuing them. Um, and it's kind of this cat and mouse game where we don't necessarily want the mouse to be caught, (laughs) you know, um, we start to really understand, um, this dynamic between, um, Uh, Holly Finley and Julia Binoche's character and uh, there's something really warm and lovely about Mm -hmm. that dynamic Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that for um, my character Morgan Freeman's character it's the source of a lot of um, necessary humor and lightness Mm -hmm. in the story Um, situationally they're kind of just very at odds with each other and while it's not like full i don't know it's not a buddy cop situation mm-hmm. but but they are uh people with their own priorities and there's something that is really funny about seeing how they interact with each other um so yeah. much of like what i was doing as a performer was just making sure that there was a that there was a rapport between um these two characters and um that's pretty easy to do when you have someone as talented as uh, Mr. Morgan Freeman that you're acting across from.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that was an experience. And, you know, like, not just because he is like an A-list actor, but because he's been doing it for so long and he's had so much experience and, you know, I'm sure played many, I mean, I know he's played (laughs) BI agents before, but like (laughs) so many characters like that to get to work with someone that really has done it before for so long, you know, I'm sure it was quite an experience as an actor.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that was kind of something that was unique about um, that was that obviously uh, Morgan is a a massively experienced and and respected actor. And, you know, I certainly grew up um, with him as one of my heroes as I think most of us have, yeah. um, you know. Uh, yeah. And obviously, I am a younger actor who, while I've been doing it a long time, still, certainly in comparison, am very much at the start of my career. And I think that is reflected in the characters themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a very similar dynamic between the two of them. I think my character has less respect for his character (laughs) than what I have for him in reality. Um, But uh, I think that that, you know, that is credit to the writing and the casting to kind of create a situation that feels very uh, reflective of the reality. Mm and so it was kind of finding that dynamic and channeling it into the characters. Um, but also at the same time making sure that my reverence for him as a performer, as a professional, does not get in the way of um my own performance, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, like absolutely. you can't yeah. you can't be an audience member in your own scene.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. um,
2: you know, it was uh it was important to uh not uh, just come in as a tourist and to come in with my own ideas and my own work. And that was something that um, Anna was very good about. Uh, she met with me um, a number of times prior prior to shooting and we talked about the character, uh, the dialogue from scene to scene, um, figured out what his backstory was, um, what his home life, what his everything beyond what was on the page. And to be fair, there was some stuff already on the page, Mm -hmm. um, but making sure that we knew exactly who he was and what his arc was going to be and that he was three-dimensional so that uh, I was showing up on the day um, fully, uh, fully ready and and, and ready to be there and prepared. Um, And, you know, Morgan had done his own work and, you know, we him and i would run dialogue for the next scene while we were doing whatever the prior scene was so we would just be on the side quickly figuring it out running and he would always have questions always interesting smart questions about what these characters are asking what they're saying what they're doing why they want it what you know um And he would throw it out to, uh, to Anna. And she, uh, was, um, very capable in that department where she always had a good response, yeah. um, credit, credit to her research and her awareness, of these characters, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you, you, know, he would, uh, he would <laughs> challenge me to, um, uh, you know, he'd say, yeah, Cameron, like, you know, um, come on now. What do you want? What are you doing here? You know? And he would, he would say, uh, and he kept me on my toes. And so we would do these rehearsals prior. And then when the shot was actually set up for the scene, um, we would do one or two takes for each one of these shots. You know, uh, we would never do more than that. We never needed to. That's Um, amazing. (laughs) Yeah uh it was kind of it was an amazing thing it was also like uh it's different than the way i've worked on a lot of things before and it Mm -hmm. was a kind of a shock in some degrees like you know we would on a cover these scenes very simply and very quickly and you might only do this dialogue in this context a couple times before it was done and there were a few times that we did these scenes where i was just like "It, it, it it's over it's already done. <laughs> Feels like we haven't even sat down to do it yet, um, but uh, you know, credit to her, she knew exactly what she wanted, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm proud of what we got. So,
1: yeah. Did you enjoy that? That different, more like, like simple, but like you you understand your characters so well that it was as easy as shooting it just the couple times it needed versus maybe on your other sets, like really like doing more exploration, I guess, within that moment. Yeah,
2: you know, it's hard to say whether I enjoy that more or less. It certainly is different um, within within the the context of this movie. I think that it was important to do. Uh, We were under uh, budgetary and time limitations. Um, yeah. You know, and sure. also uh, Morgan Freeman is a older actor who is extremely experienced, and he's he's uh, at an age now where you don't want to have this guy sitting around doing endless takes for no reason. You want to know what you <laughs> yeah. want, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for uh, sure. So I think that it was important uh, to 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 honor to everybody to make sure that um, you know the all the groundwork was laid so that it was there immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think that there is something about that, that it keeps it alive and fresh. I mean, the fact that you have such a limited opportunity makes it, it's like, that is like, it's like life. You do things once and you either did it or you didn't do it. So you have to try to do it right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that speaks a lot about, Uh, talent and professionalism from Anna, from you, from Morgan, and that all of you were able to pull that off, you know, kudos to all of you for that. (laughs) Thank
2: you. Thank you.
0: Well, to wrap up, um, I want to make sure that our listeners... Again, listeners, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, go back and listen to that. Make sure you see Paradise Highway just came out last week, um, July 29th, um, in select theaters and on streaming VOD. Um, And Cameron, if you would like to share, of course, going back to social media, but anything like that that you would like to share for our listeners, your website, any other work even that's coming up, anything like that that you would like our listeners to know about?
2: No, yeah, I, I don't care about my whatever social media stuff. <laughs> um, it's my name, but I don't post anything anymore, so who cares? Um, no, just uh, see see this movie. uh it's it's something that we're really proud of um you know you can get it on demand now so go watch it and i I don't know man uh i got some stuff coming up but honestly we'll talk about it when we get there so (laughs) fair
0: enough and go listen to
2: the other podcast too listen to honest podcast
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes no we're we're i'm excited to go watch uh the film so thank you for I mean, for all of everyone on the team to put out such an important, I think, message and story and really looking forward to it. And thank you for sharing your insight to, to your world and and how the whole process went down. It was really fun. Thank you so to much. also our tangents. I love it. <laughs> I, love, I love it. We got I love, on the love we it. I love a good tangent.
0: We did. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Femme Regard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in every Friday for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals.
1: We can only grow with your support, so please, subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also join the FemFam on Patreon. For more on us, check us out at FemRegard.com.
0: You're listening to the GeekScape Network.